MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, May 12, 2021. Today, the NRA is fucked. The Fulton County DA is seeking the death penalty and has filed hate crime charges against the gunman who murdered six Asian women at the Atlanta area spas. The cyber ninjas are getting themselves in more hot water in Arizona. Mitt Romney had a blowout with Josh Howley and told him he was the cause of the insurrection. A Newsmax anchor got got on the Dominion lies. And an internal investigation finds the officers that murdered Brianna Taylor had no reason to fire their weapons. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. All right, so there's also actually a lot more news than what I just told you about because things have been breaking all afternoon. I've been sticking into the script. Uh, As you're listening to this, it's likely that Chris Miller and Jeffrey Rosen are testifying before Congress. I'll be covering that testimony on tomorrow's Beans, but we got a copy of Jeffrey Rosen's advance statement uh, his prepared remarks that, you know, with his opening statement, uh, and he's going to say there was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election, at least not enough to overturn anything, you know, so stop it. Uh, so he's going to, and, and that's expected because he, that was his point of view and Barr's point of view. Right. Um, as we know during that thing, however, his advanced remarks didn't contain anything about why it took three hours to get the national guard out at the insurrection and 10 seconds to get the national guard out at black lives matter protests right? Uh, or why his name is mentioned in that Chris Miller memo. And, and so I, I'm sure that uh, they're going to be asked those questions, but he's, he didn't address that up front. So we'll be keeping you posted on that. Uh, we're planning a, an MSW media network launch, uh, a zoom call for Friday, May 28th at four Pacific. Yes, we are. And uh, that's for the new network that we're launching. Um, I just hired a couple of really awesome, capable uh, engineers today uh, both women, they start this week, so I'm looking forward to that. And um, yeah, join us May 28th, Friday, 4 p.m. PST. We're going to have as many of the podcasters on there as we can. Uh, Frank Faglucci, I know, is going to stop in. I've invited Glenn Kirshner. I think Zev and, and Greg Oliar have a, sh- a show that they do live at that time, so I don't know that they'll be able to pop in. But, you know, uh, we maybe I can talk Andrew Torres into coming on. There's a rumor Dana Goldberg's going to stop by. Mm-mm, rumor. From a reputable source. Yeah. <laughs> might get Shira. I might be able to get Shira in there, too. We'll see. I know she's busy, like, with all of her movie star stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but we love her, and, and hopefully she'll be able to make it. And I'm so glad everybody's getting back to work. It's just so wonderful. Uh, but we do have a ton of news. Uh, so uh, buckle up. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody. The lead story today is that the NRA is... Ah, it's been so long since I used that clip. But so necessary. So necessary today. I don't think I've used it since you've been here, but I like to bring it out for special occasions. Uh, By the way, you can get that as a ringtone (laughs) if you want to search on (laughs) iTunes. It's called Manafort Is. That's the name of that ringtone. It was made for us by San Diego's Voices of Our City Choir. That's Choir San Diego's Homeless. And they, they actually got to America's Got Talent, if you remember. And the proceeds from that ringtone go to them. So That's fantastic. I absolutely 
love that they made that for me before they went all big time on America's Got Talent. But what an incredible organization. Anyhow, such a better organization than the NRA, because this is you, you've heard in previous previous episode, Adam Klasfeld and I discussed the bankruptcy hearings. Right. Basically, the NRA hates that it's being investigated in New York. So it wanted to file bankruptcy and move to Texas. But New York lawyers from Ackerman McQueen and New York Attorney General Tish James filed to dismiss the bankruptcy because they said it was for corrupt purposes. Uh, Adam and I discussed the closing arguments that just recently happened uh, on our May 5th episode of the beans called personal defense yacht. So check that out if you want to get the full backstory, but let's listen to a tiny clip. You say that we're expecting a ruling probably early next week, and that ruling will either be to dismiss the bankruptcy filing or to do something else with it, accept it going forward, put, put some sort of a person in charge of the financial stuff. Is that something that the court could rule if, if they allow the bankruptcy to go forward? Yeah. Right. If this uh, judge, uh, Philip journey wins, uh, he will, you know, he's asking for the appointment of an examiner. You have the NYAG and the Ackerman McQueen saying, dismiss it. You have, uh, the NRA, uh, hoping that it'll go ahead. So the so Judge Hale has a number of options. He realizes, he said at the end of the proceedings that he realizes that it's a very significant case, and it just so happens that he will be retiring soon. Uh, he It shouldn't be interpreted as being because of this case. He had a pre-scheduled retirement and is apparently uh, going out with a uh, case that the entire country is watching. Yeah, going out with a bang, no Absolutely. pun intended. Well, it's early next week, and we have a ruling. Uh, Let's just skip to page 37 for the conclusion. I always like to skip to the end of court filings to read the conclusion. It says, there are several aspects of this case that still trouble the court, including the manner and secrecy in which authority to file the case was obtained in the first place, the related lack of express disclosure of the intended Chapter 11 case to the board of directors and most of the elected officials, uh, and the ability of the debtor to pay its debts, and the primary legal problem of the debtor being in a state regulatory action. The court agrees with New York Attorney General that the NRA is using this bankruptcy case to address a regulatory performance problem, not a financial one. The court finds that the NRA did not file the bankruptcy petition in good faith because this filing was not for a purpose intended or sanctioned by bankruptcy code. Therefore, cause exists under section uh, 1111112B to dismiss the case, which the court finds is in the best interest of creditors and the estate. The court is not dismissing the case with prejudice. Uh, but should the NRA file a new bankruptcy case, this court would immediately take up some of its concerns about disclosure, transparency, secrecy, conflicts of interest of officers and litigation counsel, and the unusual involvement of litigation counsel in the affairs of the NRA, which could cause the appointment of a trustee out of a concern that the NRA could not fulfill the fiduciary duty required by the bankruptcy code for a debtor in possession. It is therefore ordered that this motion to dismiss the motions to dismiss our Granted, and the above captioned cases are dismissed without prejudice. Um, the other two motions for CRO and to appoint a trustee were dismissed as moot, and the NRA has to take its medicine. Uh, we'll stay on top of this for you. Tish James has responded on Twitter to this, saying the NRA does not get to dictate if and where it will answer for its actions, and our case will continue in New York court. As you know, she has filed a lawsuit to dissolve the NRA. I love me some Tish James. Mm-hmm. Tish James is fantastic. All right. 
thank you for the good news at toward the end of that. Now, AG, a little bit of correction, and this is just obviously a lot of people caught this, about the Cyber Ninja audit in Arizona out from the New York Times today. This is a quote, directly outside the Veterans Memorial Coliseum near downtown Phoenix, the Crazy Times Carnival, which is a little bit different than we called it yesterday. So the Crazy Times Carnival wraps up an 11-day run on Sunday, a spectacle of thrill rides, games, food stands, and that headlines the Arizona State Fair this year. So that's what that was. Yeah. The Crazy Times Carnival. I was close. You were very close. Uh, I had only... I only heard it from friends, and I think Katie Hobbs mentioned it last week, but glad I'm glad the, the mainstream media is picking up on it, because that's just too funny. The jokes write themselves. I mean, they really do sometimes. Now, as recently as a week ago, officials said the review would be completed by May 14th, but with that deadline a week away, only about 250,000 of the county's 2.1 million ballots have been processed in the hand recount. That is a central part of the review. Ken Bennett, a liaison between those conducting the review and the senators, said on Saturday. Oddly enough, I don't think they found any bamboo, AG. I just want you to know that. There was no bamboo found at all, which is just ridiculous. Now, at that rate, the hand count would have been finished, wouldn't have been finished until August if they had done it the way they're doing it now. The delay is but the latest snag in an exercise that many critics claim is wrecking voters' confidence in elections, like it isn't already wrecked over there, not restoring it. Since the state senates first ordered it in December, the review has been dogged by controversy. It's really hard to keep a straight face with this company. (laughs) Republicans dominate the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, which supervise the election in the county. They said it was fair and accurate and opposed the review. Let me repeat that. The Republicans said it was fair, accurate, and did not want to support this review. Now, after a week marked by mounting accusations of the partisan skullduggery, mismanagement, and even potential uh, illegality, At least one Republican supporter of the new count said it would not end soon enough. Senator Paul Boyer, the Republican that reps suburban Phoenix in the state Senate, said it makes us look like idiots. Looking back, (laughs) looking back, I didn't think it would be this ridiculous. It's embarrassing to be a state senator at this point. I mean, it really is. It really is. Later this month, workers will have to suspend work and move their entire operation, uh, workstations, um, imaging equipment, stacks of uncounted ballots that cover much of the Coliseum floor (laughs) into a storage somewhere else in the building to make way for a spate of high school graduation ceremonies. Like we said, a long schedule to take place the week of May 17th. So we'll keep you posted on that. But it seems like they need to share their space. Maybe the Cyber Ninjas should have... uh, ponied up for their own workspace all these interruptions Mm. yeah or maybe they just shouldn't be doing this at all uh maybe they could bring some of the carnival the carnies in from the crazy times carnival to help them count and look you know look for you know i guess they they didn't find any bamboo maybe they could look for you know i've paint flex from the tilt a whirl i don't know we'll could see. be i know all right and there, there's really no good way to segue into this next story so we're just going to take a hard left turn right now fulton county da fonnie willis has charged the man who murdered eight people at atlanta area day spas including six asian women with hate crimes and is seeking the death penalty the hate crime charges are based on a couple things actual or perceived race national origin sex and gender That's according to online records. And this is the new this is a new hate crime law in Georgia. So this is going to be the first test of it. And the way that this works is you can get kind of a a hate crime sort of addendum to 
another underlying crime. And the crime here, obviously, is, is murder, manslaughter, etc. Uh, but what's going to be interesting is that the jury can can say all, only one of these three bases for the hate crime charge has to be found. So you might get some jurors who don't see this as a hate crime against based on sex and gender, but you might get someone who don't, doesn't see it as a hate crime based against um, perceived race or actual race or national origin. Right. But they might do both, but you only need one to, to because you don't, there's not like separate, like if you have multiple different kinds of groups that you're hating in your crime, uh, it doesn't add each one. It's just uh, one tag. So that's that's how that's going to work. And we're going to see. Um, but they have to determine if it's a hate crime. And that carries an additional penalty. The indictment charges um, this guy, this gunman, who I'm not going to tell you what his name is, uh, with four counts of murder, four counts of felony murder, five counts of assault with a deadly weapon, four counts of possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and one count of domestic terrorism, according to online records. And uh, it's important uh, to to note here that because it's four and not eight counts is because the the other uh, spas were in a different county in Atlanta. Uh, so thank the, you. there will be a separate grand jury in Cherokee County to decide on the charges in the shooting at the spa near suburban Woodstock, in which four others were killed and one person was wounded. Willis's decision to seek the death penalty is a departure from her stance during her campaign to be district attorney last year. So that's interesting that she's seeking the death penalty. Um also, in related story here, two Louisville police officers who shot, uh, whose shots struck and killed Brianna Taylor never should have fired their weapons. That's according to a department investigator, a conclusion that the force's upper brass rejected. Of course they did. Uh, although the officers had the right to protect themselves when Taylor's boyfriend fired at them, the circumstances, quote, made it unsafe to take a single shot. Uh, in response, Sergeant Andrew Meyer wrote, and this is, this is what he wrote in this investigation that's his name is andrew meyer and this is a december 4th memo uh, that he's that summarized his investigation taylor and her boyfriend kenneth walker were in darkness at the far end of her apartment's hallway when the officers broke down the door both were wearing all black walker moved quickly to hide from the bullets while taylor froze in place uh, all of that happened within seconds meyer wrote while the officers quote experienced fear tunnel vision and adrenaline now no one in this case faces state level charges uh, although a federal investigation is ongoing, we, we know the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, announced they will be looking into the Louisville uh, Police Department broadly and specifically into the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, and no one. So, I mean, I, I'm just shocked that no one's been charged in, in this. A hundred percent. Former yes. officer uh, Brett Hankison, the third officer to shoot into Taylor's apartment, has pleaded not guilty to wanton endangerment charges related to the bullets that he allegedly fired into a neighboring unit. So they were going to charge him for firing acts, you know, endangering neighbors, but not the people that were murdered or the person that was murdered. The internal police investigation did not examine his actions because he was fired in June. Uh, in, In concluding that Mattingly was wrong to shoot on the night of the raid, Meyer wrote that the sergeant clearly knew Someone else was standing next to Walker, who had struck Mattingly with a shot fired from his legally owned gun. Walker had said he did not know when he fired that the people who had burst in were police, while Mattingly said he believes Walker was probably aware. It was not safe for Mattingly to return fire, Meyer wrote, because there was a true significant risk of hitting someone who did not pose a threat. Mattingly should have considered Taylor's safety. 
Cosgrove, meanwhile, fired 16 shots without identifying where the threat was coming from. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, this is in his report as well. In interviews with investigators, Cosgrove said a shadowy figure and a flashing light is what he saw, and he was unsure immediately after the shooting whether Walker was the one who had shot at them. Uh, he never should have fired back without knowing that specific target was a threat. Meyer wrote that Cosgrove and Mattingly should have taken cover instead of engaging. Uh, they and Hankison fired a total of 32 shots. In reality, Meyer said none of the shots were safe. But let's not forget, because I shout this every time we talk about the murder of Breonna Taylor. The cop lied to get the warrant. Right. None of them should have been there in the first place. And this is from the Courier Journal. The Louisville judge who signed a search warrant for Breonna Taylor's home that ultimately led to her murder said Thursday she is concerned that the detective may have lied to obtain the warrant. But Jefferson Circuit Judge Mary Shaw told the Courier Journal that she will defer to the FBI, which is investigating the search warrant application for Taylor's apartment that led to the raid. The Courier Journal asked Shaw if she intended to demand that Detective Joshua Janes show why he shouldn't be held in contempt for swearing in an affidavit that he had verified through a U.S. postal inspector that suspected drug dealer Jamarcus Glover had been receiving packages at Breonna Taylor's home. She wasn't. Um... So that's that didn't happen. That's a total lie. And finally, another related story. The family of Andrew Brown has seen 18 more minutes of the body cam footage. This was the shooting where the family had only been allowed to see 20 seconds. Uh, and the county DA, Michael Cox, told Bakari Sellers he wouldn't be fucking bullied. Remember all that? Oh, yeah. Now, based on what Chance Lynch, an attorney for the Brown family, saw in those in that footage, the shooting was unjustified. They watched six videos, one dash cam video and five body cam videos, totaling about 18 minutes or so. The lawyer for Andrew Brown's family said at no point did he see Andrew Brown make any contact with the sheriff's deputies. That's important because the D.A., Andrew Womble, said the officers opened fire only after Brown's car made contact with the deputies. Andrew Brown's son said what's in the dark will come into the light. And uh, Chance said, uh, Chance Lynch said, we were able to see Mr. Brown sitting in his vehicle. He appeared to be on the phone. He was surprised when the cops got there. At all times, his hands were visible. He was not a threat. There was a shot fired. When the shot was fired, he put the car in reverse. Several feet, if not yards, from any officer. He turned the wheel to the, the left to avoid them. They were ne there were never any police officers behind the vehicle. We never saw him make contact. So we have two different versions, one from the DA saying he hit the cops, and that's why they shot him, and the family and the lawyer for the uh, family saying that there was no contact. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. All right, time for another uh, hard left turn. Dana, uh, it's time for some schadenfreude. Schadenfreude! Very hard left turn. Uh, this story, uh, I, I hope it brings you some joy after the heaviness of the last couple. So David Litt, uh, he was once a speechwriter for former President Barack Obama. He hilariously ambushed Newsmax anchor Rob Finnerty uh, during an interview on Monday. Litt turned questions about Elon Musk into a shaming of the far-right channel for pushing baseless election fraud conspiracies about Dominion voting machines. Take a listen. What do you think of Elon Musk's performance? This is the first time since 2015 we've had a non-athlete, non-entertainer on the show, the last person to do that and do well with great ratings. Our former president, Donald Trump. Well, Rob, it's a great question. I mean, what happened on SNL this weekend was that people made stuff up and then said it on television like it's true. And that actually happens pretty frequently in American TV. For example, in 2020, Dominion Voting Systems sued Newsmax over its false claims about election fraud. Newsmax was lying to its own viewers, and Newsmax had to settle that lawsuit. So um, actually, I just need to check in. Are you still telling that lie, or are you telling new lies? 
Wait, are we talking about, I'm sorry, David, are we talking about, do you want to talk about something completely non-related and try to catch me on a Monday morning totally off topic, or do you want to talk about Elon Musk? Well, I can see why you don't want to talk about Dominion voting systems, because if you do, Newsmax could get sued and lose billions of dollars because these are live. David, but, David, David, wanna... David, that, that's, listen, I, David, uh, that's, that's fine, David, I know, this is a very funny moment for you. I'm sure you didn't sleep last night as you prepared to sort of try and get the morning anchor on Newsmax. I'd be happy to talk with you about whatever you want to talk about. Obviously, it's not the topic that we have set up for right now. So if you'd like to talk about Saturday Night Live, I will do that with you. But obviously, I'm not going to talk about anything else right now. So you decide right now, in this moment on live television. Go ahead. Did Dominion Voting Systems have any impact on the 2020 election? Oh, that's unfortunate because I was really excited about this interview. I didn't watch SNL on Saturday night, but I thought Elon Musk did an okay job. And he also said that he's got Asperger's. So I thought that was a uh, fascinating component of the monologue. So, David, we look forward to having him back on very soon again. That was a stellar interview. David Litt, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, AG. I mean, he got punked. He had this whole thing set up as soon as he asked him, literally lit into him. Yeah. Um, as mm. we know, Dominion filed a defamation lawsuit against Newsmax in December for the false claims that Dominion voting machines were rigged against Trump. Now, in response, Newsmax issued an on-air retraction and an apology. Dominion later dropped Newsmax from the lawsuit. And David Litt is like, "Are you? did you want to repeat that? Because we're, we're on air right now. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you don't want to talk about Dominion. They'll sue you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good job, David. <sighs> yeah, it's wonderful. And another couple quick headlines. I'm sorry. I know there's so much news today. 17 million 12 to 15-year-olds could be eligible for vaccines as early as Thursday. Uh, I imagine that will bring the numbers up a bit. And also this, airstrikes are leaving neighborhoods in Gaza reeling, killing at least two dozen people. Uh, rockets rained on cities in Israel, including Tel Aviv, as some of the worst, this is some of the worst fighting between Israelis and Palestinians in years, and it's showing no signs of abating on Tuesday. Uh, the immediate trigger was a police raid on an Islamic holy site in Jerusalem the day before. But by Tuesday, the conflict had grown far broader, with civilians on both sides of the border paying heavy costs. And by Tuesday night, 30 Palestinians had been killed in Israeli airstrikes, including 10 children. And 203 others were wounded, according to Gaza health officials. One airstrike toppled a tower that houses the offices of several Hamas officials. In Israel, at least three people were reported killed and at least 100 wounded. Netanyahu told the press, Hamas and Islamic Jihad have paid and will pay a very heavy price for their aggression. He declared that in a late night address to Israelis that suggested the hostilities probably aren't going to end anytime soon. And there's still no winner over there. They're, his, they're trying to build a government uh, yeah. at this time. Um, so we'll keep an eye on this story for you. And uh, we'll be right back with Sarah Beth Rosenberg. We're going to have a discussion about some states' legislation attempting to ban critical race theory in the classroom. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by All Form. All Form crafts the most beautiful, high-quality furniture to fit your own personal style. Their sofas and chairs are made to your specifications and then delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping, so you get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With All Form, you get to pick your fabric, which is spill-stain and scratch-resistant. You pick the color of the fabric, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, and the configuration, so you can make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I picked out a three-seater sofa, and I customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I could never have leather before, but 
because of the spill stain and scratch resistant and forever warranty they have, it's okay with pod pets. Uh, I have a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge on the end. It came in a couple days. I put it together myself and I love it. It's roomy and modern and my favorite part is designed to my specifications. The other great thing about Allform is how incredibly fast they deliver. Normally if you want a new sofa, it could take weeks or even months and you would need someone to assemble it in your home. But Allform takes just three to seven days in the mail and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools. Allform has beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals so there's something for everyone and you can always start small and add on if you move to a bigger house or your family grows and you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it that's more than three months and if you don't love it they'll pick it up and give you a a full refund Um, they also have a forever warranty like i said literally forever so to find your perfect sofa check out allform.com slash daily beans and allform is offering 20 percent off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash daily beans all right, everybody, welcome back. Today, I'm honored to be joined by award-winning U.S. history teacher, writer, and public speaker. She's also the host of the PBS NewsHour Extra Educator series. Please welcome Sari Beth Rosenberg. Sari, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I'm so glad to have you back. And I wanted to bring you back on the show because we are now starting to see uh, bills in red states with Republican state legislatures that are trying to ban critical race theory being taught in the schools. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit, first of all, about what critical race theory is. Right. So critical race theory, just super simple, is it's, it's when a teacher will stand in the classroom and explain to students how systemic racism has been a part of our country since the first enslaved people were brought here in 1619. And it has had an impact on all aspects of American society, in particular for people of color, right? So essentially it's the it's teaching that institutionalized racism permeates all parts of American society. And the point of it is not to be quote unquote negative or shame people who call themselves white, it's to make our country a better place, course correct, acknowledge the problems from the past, acknowledge that institutionalized racism exists so that we can make this a country of liberty and justice, equality, equity for all, right? Yeah. And and not to mention, I mean, that's what happened? You 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 would just be teaching history instead of whitewashing it, or uh, what a lot of people refer to as teaching revisionist history. But it appears that the Republicans are turning that back around and saying that what critical race theory is revisionist history, as if to say it didn't happen. Right. Their argument is that when a te- they their argument is essentially that you can either teach this whitewashed history without talking about indigenous people and what was done to them, uh, enslaved people who, and what was done to them. And instead they say that if you teach that, then you're completely delegitimizing the, that America is a, as a, a place of America, of exceptionalism. Look, I almost even said American, ex- America is a place of American exceptionalism. Right. And, and, and they believe that the two can't coexist. And they also somehow think that young people 
won't be able to understand that both actually can coexist. We can be a country. I love America. That's why I think it's important that we teach about systemic racism, because in order for us to get to these ideals that we all acknowledge have been embedded in our in our in our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, it's just that we want to extend them to everyone. We believe in those values so much, we want to extend them to everyone, right? And so that's the argument is that we're going to be making people hate America by not talking about all of America. Well, I mean, it's it's baked in to to the to the founding documents uh, to to create a more perfect union, insinuating it is not perfect. Uh, so I, I I don't kind of understand why. Uh, anyone would want to teach our history as having been executed perfectly because it clearly wasn't, um, you know, and I think that that uh, permeates kind of every segment of our society today. And that's why it's so important to understand, because you can't you can't move away from systemic racism. You can't move toward a more perfect union unless you acknowledge the mistakes of the past and covering them up is to turn a blind eye to so much suffering and a lot of the explanation of why things happen the way they do today. Exactly. And any good teacher wants to meet her, you know, meet her, meet his or her students in the classroom and, and encourage them to actively engage with the material. And whether these lawmakers in these, I think it's like five or six states that are trying to ban the 1619 project, whether they like it or not, most young people are on TikTok. They're on Twitter. They're on, I don't know, apps I don't know about yet because I'm because I'm old. And they're exposed to these, these concepts. So how do I stand up in front of my class and ignore their questions. Well, I, I don't, obviously. It's it's just, it's I consider it educational malpractice. And also it won't help them understand what America's about. It, it'll confuse them. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. A lot of these bills, they aren't just trying to stop schools from teaching critical race theory. They're actually proposing that they would be disqualified from receiving certain federal funds if they adopted the curriculum. So it does, it's not just a, an ideology at this point. It's something that could damage uh, all education across the board by defunding these programs. Exactly. And yeah, that's the part that I think that doesn't get emphasized enough. And the fact that the, the threat is essentially that if you don't comply with these bills that we're trying to turn into laws, then you won't get funding. That is, that's scary. I mean, I'm not going to use the word I used all through the last four years, but there's something quite, quite dangerous about that. You know, that's it's it's fascist. Um. Yeah, fine, fine. I'll say it. I, I you know, the last time I was on the reason why I was last time I was on, we talked about how there aren't enough words for anger. So I, you know, the election made a difference in my rage levels. But it's obviously it wasn't one person that was that was making me angry. Right. And yeah, it's it starts feeling like fine. I'll say it. it starts feeling like there's one group of people who are looking to impose this 
fascistic America that is the opposite of the democratic ideals that they're so, so, you know, sincerely trying to defend, right? The hypocrisy is real. But they, I mean, they are actually moving away from the democracy narrative. Uh, we, we've seen Senator Mike Lee put out tweets that say, you know, rank democracy as a problem in our country. And it's not about that. It's, you know, it's, I mean, basically saying we don't want democracy. We want control for the rich few and democracy is a problem. Um, and so I, you know, I, but yet, but yet they're screaming about unity in, in Congress and, and reaching across the aisle. And it's like, well, if, if, if we are to ascribe to your view that, that rank democracy can trample liberties, then, then we should, then the Democrats should just be able to pass whatever they want without listening to the Republicans. But we don't do that. No, we don't, because we still are following the ideals that they want us to teach so much in our classrooms. It's I honestly need one of those, you know, that that meme that was happening. Um, well, that we were tracing what was going on with Trump and the Russians, um, which, you know, I just had to listen to your, your podcast. I didn't need that. I didn't need to put it on my own wall. I just listened to you. But it starts feeling like you need to start charting it out like a madman, madwoman trying to figure out which which of the ideals are they are they clinging to based on whatever. uh they want to argue on whatever day, right? Well, like flat earth theory, at some point their argument hits a wall. But but they the, the Republicans aren't out for meaningful discourse. They're out for a bumper sticker messages uh, that they can that they can throw out there that that have that if you try to take it to second level thinking or third level thinking, just hit a wall. Right. Uh, like when you're trying to explain to a flat earther why it's completely uh, impossible for that to be the case. It, the argument eventually shuts down to no la 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 la. Uh, it's because I said so, and I've I haven't seen it with my own eyes la la la. So <laughs> prove it to me, prove it to me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and that's that's the same thing. I mean, what have I been called on the internet when I say that America in in class we should teach about the ideals of America and also teach about the fact that you know we we committed not we but uh, the people who founded this country many of them committed genocide and and enslaved people we can teach both both can coexist right and then i get called a, a communist socialist teacher i never i never would put my kid in in your class and it's like uh, okay yeah but it's the bumper sticker right mm-hmm. yeah it's the messaging um and and they are good at that um, they are good at feeding the, that red meat to their base. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the importance of teaching critical race theory, not just for uh, understanding what happened in the past, but how it applies today. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. And this portion of the pod is brought to you by Credit Karma. If you're looking to improve your finances in 2021, I recommend checking out Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they have even more ways to help. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card. And if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has already given away over three million dollars in instant karma to over 50,000 credit karma members and counting to open your fdic insured spend account for free there's no minimum 
balance. Uh, there's no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma, karma with a K, dot com slash winmoney right now. Visit sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking to the host of the PBS NewsHour Extra Educator Series, Sari Beth Rosenberg. And before the break, uh, we had talked about the importance of teaching the truth and the actual history about what has happened in our country uh, and how that has created just ongoing, endless systemic racism that has to be addressed. Now, I want to talk about how that applies today, because uh, today we learned, for example, that the four officers uh, who uh, one found guilty of murder in, in the death of George Floyd, three, their trial coming in August, the other three have been charged by the civil division of the Department of Justice for violating George Floyd's civil rights. And uh, this is a very big important story. And it sort of, I think, outlines the importance of of teaching the true history of this country so we can understand how systemic racism is applied today so that we can hold people accountable for violating people's civil rights. Exactly. Right. Because how how does an educator, how does a parent, how does anyone explain to a young person that America is a place of exceptionalism where everyone has a shot and it doesn't matter, you know, race doesn't matter. We're, we're a post-racial society. Slavery happened a long time ago. Get over it. How do you then explain these civil, civil, civil rights mm-hmm. cases? Yeah. And the, and the disparity that we see in, in policing. And, and also just looking at the statistics about who is incarcerated in this country. Right. Right. Yeah. And 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 of course, it's not just the criminal justice system. I loved how Elizabeth Warren brought up in her campaign uh, for president. She was like, look, why is it why when we talk about systemic racism or do we only talk about it uh, in the in the framework of of the criminal justice system? It impacts everything, impacts environmental systemic racism, Uh, covid health care. There is decades and decades, if not centuries of distrust in marginalized communities with with healthcare, vaccines, et cetera. It, it, and, you know, I mean, I could I could go on and on. And, and, and you know what? I'll add to it. The in, I mean, in, in Elizabeth Warren fashion, the infrastructure, the education system, right? Just the fact that when you look at who is getting hurt the most during this pandemic, you know, people who have been systemically discriminated against in this country because of their quote unquote race, which is, of course, a social construct that comes from racism that I think every child needs to know. And I teach that on the first day of school. That's part of critical race theory. And right. It just it's and I do think there is something kind of racist about always only talking about the incarceration system when talking about systemic racism. Why don't we just start with the school system, segregation, the fact that certain schools aren't COVID, like are not safe places during a global pandemic because they have not, the schools have not been repaired since, I don't know, the sixties, the seventies. It's all connected. Yeah. And then, and, and this perpetuates the problem. If these bills are defunding those schools further, um, we just see this kind of snowball effect. And I mean, the leaders of tomorrow are going to have to solve these 
these problems across the board in all the areas that we just talked about, plus many, many more, not just the criminal justice system, though that's a big one. And and you are leaving a generation ill-prepared to 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 confront those issues and create policy to solve them if you do not teach what really has happened in our past. Exactly. I'm going to give a quick anecdote. I had a student who we talked about a bunch of this in, in just the regular U.S. history course. This student went off to college. He came back after the first two months and he came into class to visit me and some some of my students. And he, and he said, oh my God, miss, I finally learned the language and the words around what I've been experiencing my whole life. And I just thought it was me. And I finally learned the language around it. Because what we have to realize is that whether you're teaching a white population, a black population, Asian population, they're all seeing and experiencing the society. And it's our job to explain it to them. Whether you want to teach it or not, they're experiencing it and seeing it. They're exposed to it. Right? We need to give them the framework and the language and the tools to understand it. And yeah, be the leaders of tomorrow. So what I'm hearing from you is that there's a mental health aspect to this too, because what you just said struck a chord with me and some personal experience I've had where uh, after I was in a, a film about military sexual assault called The Invisible War, I went around the country and I, I, we screened the movie and I spoke and answered questions on a panel uh, in front of uh, college classes, usually women's studies classes or other kinds of uh, classes like that. But so many uh, young women would come up to me after and say, I had no idea that I wasn't alone. And they were, you know, the tears in their eyes. And and I remember feeling that when I first saw the film that I was in and saw all of these other people, women and men, using the same language that had been used on me to gaslight me. So there is this incredible, uh, when you're teaching critical race theory, there just has to be this incredible feeling of community and that you, you said, you know, it's not just me. And how important knowing that is to having like a good foundation in, in mental health and feeling better about yourself and, and having confidence and, and being able to, to move forward, knowing that, that the gaslighting is just that it's gaslighting you, you the, you know, the way you feel and the, the things that you experience are valid and other people feel them too. Right. That you, I just got chills hearing that. It reminded me because I have a feminist, I, I advise a feminist club in my school, but it's really a social justice, civil rights club as well. And before the Me Too movement took off, we were sitting in circles and one brave female exp shared her experience getting catcalled. And she told the story from such a vulnerable place of almost feeling like it was her fault. And then it just opened a floodgate and it was tough for me as a grown up to hear all of this. And it made me want to go out on the street and fight every single man who cat called these 14 year old kids. But then from that moment on, these young people were so empowered and they told me, you know, that, that happened to me, you know, two weeks later. And, and now we're yelling back at the guy and we're not letting him get to us. So there's just so much power in naming it. And also not feeling like you're alone with it. And and you know what? 
it's a burden, you know, so if the argument is that, oh, well, if you're teaching all these white kids, predominantly a school with predominantly white kids about this, you're making them feel ashamed. It's like these, these kids also understand if they need to understand what this is too. They're not, they're not always going to be in these homogenous environments. And, and it only helps people to understand about other people's experiences. It never hurts somebody who is not experiencing something to, to gain empathy about another human being's experience. I, I've never heard of anyone feel hurt when they learn about somebody else's experience that they didn't have and understand it better. Have you? I've never heard anyone get upset about that. No, no, nor does it infringe on anyone's rights or uh, or anything like that. And I think, you know, it's so important, I think, because that at its core, you know, that feeling of it's not just me uh, is what makes something systemic. Right. That 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 multiple people are experiencing it and that, first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, we can move forward together as a diverse group with diverse ideas and diverse input to help shape the policy to address it. Uh, I think that that's just so, I mean, I can't, like the whole here is greater than the sum of its parts, you know? Yeah, and it's this whole idea and it's such, it's so simple, but human beings create systems, right? Systems don't just get imposed on us by some external force. Human beings create certain systems. So following that very simple logic, human beings can create other systems, better systems that are more encompassing. So do we want to abide by a system that was designed by white rich men when that's not, that never represented everyone in this country? Those human beings made this system. Now these human beings all of us collectively, all different groups of people from all different works of life, we can create a better system and everyone benefits, right? Everyone benefits. White people do actually benefit the most when you integrate a school. There's so many studies that show that. I'm not just making that up. I've seen many studies that everyone benefits when you integrate. Everyone benefits when you create a, a, a system designed to help everyone and make everyone feel empowered and, and part of it. Yeah, I think the only thing, the only problem here is that the um, the wealthy white Republicans who who are more concerned with holding power right. and and increasing the wealth gap would rather these kids and us, all of us, feel isolated so that they continue they can continue to gaslight us mm-hmm. and use that the the fear of us or others to help perpetuate and divide and and stay in power. And so, I mean, it, it doesn't behoove them. It doesn't behoove the fascist for us to not feel alone uh, because they would rather us feel isolated in our, and, and, and blame ourselves and, and feel that it's, there's something wrong with us instead of the system. Exactly. Not watch and not watch the movie and realize that they're not alone in that experience, not sit in that circle with other people who have experienced the same thing as you. But what, like I always tell my students, and it sounds like a line in a movie, but I'm a cheesy teacher. There's actually more of us than them. And it's true. It's just that for too long, they've divided and conquered. But if we continue 
it's 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 very potent to sit around and have these conversations and teach the 1619 project because you know who knew when i read that that it was going to turn into this political football but you know there's a reason they're so upset about it so that just makes me want to teach it even more and teach it even harder and teach it to even more people yeah even if just for the simple fact of of having someone realize that they're not alone it's it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And that's why I, I have been having my feminist club every Friday at four o'clock. It's just, even if we're just talking about our favorite food, it's, it's, it's a collective, right? We need to realize that we're, we're all in this, we, you know, we're not all in this together equally, but we're all on this planet and we, we can help each other. Yeah, we most definitely can. Can you tell everybody where they can find and follow you? Uh, because I think it's very important that, you know, your messages about this uh, keep getting out there. Yeah, and I keep tweeting about it and writing about it. So you can follow me at Sari Beth Rose. My name's Sari Beth Rosenberg. So I just caught off, cut off a couple letters at the end. So at Sari Beth Rose on Twitter, on Instagram. Yeah, I get political on my Instagram too. I can't help myself. And uh, my website's sarybeth.com. And uh, you can follow me to get information on our upcoming PBS NewsHour Extra Educator Series that we hold. It's for teachers and school staff, but it's also for people who love teachers and educators. And we're all teachers and educators educators in our own way. So. Yeah, 100%. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, everybody, Check, make sure to follow uh, follow her on the socials because there's just so much in- important information coming out and so many different ways we can come together. So thank you very much, Sari Beth Rosenberg. Thank you. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Pod is brought to you by Helix Sleep. I know some of you are just like me, and you've had trouble sleeping over the last four years, and we thought it was because of the orange man in the White House. But as it turned out, I had a mattress that wasn't designed to my specifications. And in comes Helix Sleep to save the day. They recognize that each of us sleeps differently, and they customize a mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. They created an online sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a firm mattress or a soft one, or you sleep on your stomach or your back, or you sleep really hot, with Helix, there is a mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side. I'm so grateful that Helix solved my sleep issues and has given me restful nights again, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go over to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I love it. It's like sleeping on a cloud. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it. No muss, no fuss, but you will love it. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. And today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. And life can, you know, be an amazing, precious gift, but sometimes it can be overwhelming and unpredictable and stressful. And so when I'm feeling anxiety, uh, I remember I don't have to face it alone, and neither do you. So if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living your best life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. This isn't a crisis line or self-help. It's professional licensed therapy done online securely. They'll assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. As you know, I've had challenges with post-traumatic stress, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to take it on alone. 
And I love how convenient BetterHelp's services are. It's available for clients worldwide, so you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, too, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So visit their website and read testimonials like this one from AD, who says, Dr. Hood has been great from the first session until now, months later. She's helped tremendously with mitigating my stress and anxiety. She helps me see different perspectives and makes me feel seen and heard. I'm uh, better able to understand and process my emotions thanks to Dr. Hood's help. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on. Good news is on the way. All right, everybody, it's time for good news, confessions, corrections, misheard lyrics, swears to share, limericks, etc. Whatever you've got, send it in to us. Twister, uh, connect for whatever. We're playing them all. We are playing them all, people. <laughs> Pretty sneaky, sis. Uh, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'll kick us off with a submission from anonymous pronouns they and them. Hey, Beans crew. Just writing in to share a bit of good news in my life. I've been fully integrated with the 5G microchip <laughs> for a bit over a week. <laughs> Though only now got to get to enjoy it. My roommate tested positive for COVID, so mm-hmm. I had to quarantine with them, plus a couple weeks extra to be safe. But now I'm free, and I've started getting motorcycle lessons from a friend, schedules and weather permitting. Anyway, love the show as pet tax. Here's returning podcasts, Termy and Pepper. And yes, Termy has resting sad face. <laughs> oh, Termy does have resting <laughs> sad face. Oh, he's so cute. He is so cute, little ears. Oh, oh, oh. You're next. You're oh on. my gosh. Okay. This one's from Ruth. No pronouns given for Ruth. I just want to provide pictures of the latest addition to our household. We have had mama cat for four years. She is small, less than six pounds. She just had her first litter with one kitten. My kids and I are in love. Look at this mother daughter or mother son combo here. Oh my God. One kitten litter. I don't even I've know. Never... I've never in my life. Never. The mom was like, nah, I just want one. <laughs> All the cats are jealous. All the other mama cats. Are Seriously. Like... And that little kitten's like, I got eight whole nipples all to myself, y'all. Totally. Awesome. I hear you, little Do you want to hit the next one, too? I hear you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. All right. This next one's from Gail's from Wales. <laughs> this is Gail. Not plural. Just one Gail. All right. Gail from Wales. Love the beans. Longtime listener. Still a dollar patron subscriber because it's cool. However, I have and will continue to sponsor others uh, to have a Patreon account to mask my guilt. I just can't give up my dollar subscription. Hashtag badge of honor. So I know you don't want to mention his name on air and I totally get it. I don't want to hear his name, but I have an alternative to the former guy. There's a Chrome extension that will change his name in online stories to Horsey McSnuffles. <laughs> oh my god. I've had that Chrome extension for the last four years and it's changed my world. So instead of calling him the former guy, would you consider using Horsey McSnuffles instead? I love it. I love it. I'm going to do my best. So just the, the problem is if anyone misses this episode, they're going to be like, what is wrong with AG and Dana? <laughs> Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that extension. That's amazing. Oh my god, that's fantastic! It changes every every oh, That's a ama- horsey McSnuffles. Yep. 
Awesome. All right, next up from Tasha, pronouns she and her. Tosh, pronouns like Josh. Hey, Beans Queens. This is sort of like a misheard lyric, but it's way too many people say the Pledge of Allegiance the wrong way. They don't recite it the way it was written. Below is how it was written with the proper punctuation. Most people, when saying the first sentence, put a pause after allegiance and after flag. There isn't a comma or any punctuation after those words. You're supposed to read the first sentence straight through until America. Also, there isn't a comma after the last line, liberty. So why do I care? I do morning announcements at my school. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I have to train every new announcer who has been saying the pledge for six to eight years. The correct way to recite it. Teachers, too. I've been told we are saying the pledge too fast. No, you are actually saying it incorrectly. This is how I lay it out for the announcers to get them ready to read it correctly. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Got it. For pet tax, my daughter's dog, Luna. She stays busy. She's outsmarted me many times. What the mutt? Oh, Ooh. Beagle? Uh, Chihuahua Beagle? Beagle with the Jack Russell? Jack Russell Beagle? Ter- Let's see. We don't know, <laughs> but I think she's a Chihuahua on Jack Russell. Hilarious. She's only 15 pounds. I love when you all do that test. AG and I will sit here. Our <laughs> brains are exploding. And then we scroll a little bit. And they're like, we don't know. We haven't done a DNA test. Our guess is as good as yours. And we're like, well, fuck. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, thank you for that. And then, yes, I'm thinking about why. I feel like we just did it so slow in school. And I don't know if it's because little kids' lungs are, don't have as much air capacity. I pledge allegiance <laughs> to the flag. Of the United, yeah. The United anyway, whatever. Republic for which it stands. Yeah. Which is ridiculous that we actually still do that in schools, considering there's a, supposed to be a separation of church and state. Whatever, it's fine. Everything's cool. Okay. Um, well, no I don't think the original pledge. I think the original pledge didn't have God added into it until pretty recently. Oh, I'll interesting. All right. All Send right. a correction if you know. Yes, please do. Um, I'm sure someone will. Okay, this next one's from Colleen, pronouns she and her. Two years ago, I was in Philadelphia visiting my in-laws with my two kids and another one on the way. We all went to the pet store to buy fish for my father-in-law's koi pond. This particular pet store had a bunch of puppies for adoption. While everyone else was swooning over the puppies, I noticed a sweet face with gorgeous gold eyes looking up at me. A beagle terrier something sat there alone in her cage. It was quite obvious she had recently had a litter. She just looked so sweet and lonely I had to give her some love. I took her to the little play area with my five and six-year-old and we fell in love. The store employee said she had been at the store for months because most people passed by her for the puppies. It didn't help that her undercarriage was stretched out and basically dragging on the floor from a recent litter. Remember, I am very pregnant with our third child, and it was terrible timing to adopt a dog. So, of course, I had to have her. (laughs) I looked up to my husband and said, nobody wants her because she's all stretched out, just like me. Aw. It worked, and Tessie came home with us. What a great name. At first, she was perfect, but eventually started to show some aggression toward my son. My son wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, he loved on her and was always calm and gentle. We tried everything, but eventually we knew that we were out of options. We now had three children, and she was still having random acts of aggression. It was odd. She was fine with everyone else in the family except for my son. My theory is that his cochlear implants might be giving off a sound that humans can't hear, but who knows? We didn't know her history, so that could have also played a factor. Wow, what a great theory though the vet recommended that we put her down he said that because of her history a shelter would not place her up for adoption i was 
devastated. She was a wonderful dog, just not for kids. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I called my dad and asked if he could keep her until I found a good home for her. He agreed. My dad always had dogs while I was growing up, but he wasn't, um, he hasn't had one in years. He lives alone and had significant health concerns, including depression. Not only did Tessie get to stay in the family, she also provided my dad with the companionship and love. Now my dad and Tessie walk for miles every day. They socialized at the dog part and lived happily ever after. Not only is it a happy ending for Tessie and my dad, it has brought us all much closer. He now visits frequently so that I can get my Tessie fix and he can play with his grandkids. Now, side note, my dad has never allowed a dog in his bed. Tessie now has her own side and her own pillow. Thank you for everything you do, especially keeping me entertained through piles of dishes and loads of laundry. Well, Tessie is, yeah. <laughs> Look at Tessie. Oh, what a sweetie. So sweet. Beautiful eyes. Yeah, I can see what you mean by that looking up with the gold eyes. Oh, what a sweetheart. Indeed. (sighs) Thank you for that. I'm so glad that story worked out well. I know there's times that you try and try and try and find an alternative, and I'm glad that you were all able to. Uh, Any any final, final thoughts before we get out of here, Dana? No, not today. I just wish you all a very, very good night. Yeah, until we speak again, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>